0: So this morning, we continue the series that we've been talking about this in a year called The Last Full Measure. And in that series, we've been talking about living intentionally. We're talking about this intentional path that we're on, how God made us for a purpose. Um, and this morning, so this morning, we'll be talking about tactical training, right? So this is a military series, I would say. And if we're on this mission, we need a little bit of training. This morning, we'll be in the tactical side of that training. Um, you remember we began this series, we talked about um, William Pittsburgher. He is a Vietnam pair man. And William actually sacrificed his own life to save 70 men on an evening. He was, he was repelled, he was dropped out of a helicopter, um, and then they were ambushed um, in, in the midst of just pure darkness, couldn't see in front of their faces that evening. And, the, and as the helicopter came back, his, his boss, his sergeant, was trying to pull him out of there, he waved them off. I would imagine several times that evening, to save over 70 men. He patched them up, gave them weapons, and then ultimately he fought with them before he ultimately gave his life. This is incredible because he volunteered for this evening. He was just months away from ending his tour, uh, months away from being done with Vietnam, and if you if you you know you're like me, you've heard about Vietnam. It was it wasn't a place you wanted to be, right? Um but he was months away from leaving his tour of duty and he volunteered for this night. We we talked about how boldness is focusing on others. Boldness is leading intentionally towards eternity. Right? We gave a new definition for leadership. Leadership is following God, someone who follows God, who works with people to accomplish a mission. That's what leadership is. A lot of people in this day and age want to be leaders. And, I, and here's the leadership test, right? This is what we're always challenging each other to do. Go and make disciples, right? And we're talking about spiritual leadership. The question is, look behind you. Like, who's following? Who's following you in your leadership? Who's following me in, in my leadership? And that's the test of a leader, right? The leader isn't a title. Leadership isn't a title. Like, we've all felt that, right? Especially in our military, especially in our Coast Guard, right? We've got bosses, we've got structure, we've got hierarchy. Leadership isn't really a title, it's about influence. A leader, the best definition I already told you, is someone who follows God, who can work with people to accomplish a mission. So that's what we're talking about today. We're on this mission. We'll be in James 1, 12 through 15, so you can turn in your Bibles. On your digital phone, there's this thing called the Bible app. It's incredible. Um, or in your real world proven Bible this printed thing that doesn't change. So either one, whichever is good for you, or your sermon notes. Uh, you can check in your sermon notes. There's an outline. The question we posed last week, if we're on this intentional path, if we have a strategy forward in life, an intentional path created by God, the question we posed would how would we live differently if we lived with the end in mind first? So, right, life, life often feels like accidental, and it feels aimless, and I was just talking to one of our high school seniors this morning. He, he gave this one word for what it feels like to be in high school. He said, purgatory, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I've got a junior in college, and that's exactly what he says. He's like two and a half semesters away from graduating, and he says, Dad, I feel like I'm on permanent hold for what this life has for me. And I'm like, man, you're, you're right there, I promise you. You're like, you're on a good path. He wants to potentially enlist or commission after his, his college um, years. Or he's, he's ready to just sign up and join a police force somewhere. Um, I'm hoping Kodiak, or maybe at least Juno, right? Selfishly be praying with me on that. I hope he ends up here. But that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about tactical training for what? And I gave you a warning last week. I said I was going to try to keep it PG-13, and so I'll keep my word on that. But it's tactical training for resisting temptation. This is not an easy topic to talk about. Believe me, I prayed all week long, and I said, how much information is good enough? How much information is too much? And what's cool is we have God's Word. And I believe he gives us exactly what we need to hear. So tactical training for resisting temptation. I've got one guy in mind um, to keep along with the series Last Fold Measure, and his name is Desmond Doss. A few of you have come to mention the movie to me, Hacksaw Ridge. And let me read a little bit to you about Desmond Doss's life, and, and we'll parallel that today in James. Desmond Doss was born in Lynch, Lynchburg, Virginia. His mother raised him as a devout seven-day Adventist, so he was a Christian. He was instilled Sabbath-keeping, nonviolence, and a vegetarian lifestyle in his upbringing. He he went to school up until the eighth eighth grade, and this was during the, the Depression era. Subsequently, he found a job to help his family support during the Depression at a lumber company. Before the outbreak of World War II, Doss was employed as a joiner at a shipyard in Newport News, Virginia. He chose the military service despite being offered a deferment, again, volunteer, because of his shipyard work. So he had important work already, but he actually chose to go into service. It's confusing hearing this story, but it, but it all adds up in the end. Before the outbreak of World War II, um, we talked about that, he was, he was employed at the shipyard. Desmond, so as he went into the army... Desmond refused to kill enemy soldiers and carry a weapon in the combat because of his personal beliefs and conviction. He consequently was assigned to be, be a medic, and he was assigned to the 2nd Platoon. Ultimately, Desmond went on to save countless of lives. It says specifically 50 to 100 wounded inf- infantry men in Okinawa. He also suffered a fracture from a sniper's bullet at one point and had 17 pieces of shrapnel embedded in his body. Here's a letter, I'll read bits and pieces of it from our president, Harry S. Truman, about Desmond. About a conscientious objector, a medic, who went to fight in the war, World War II, even though he could have chose not to. Our president, Harry S. Truman, on May 21st, he describes Desmond as, He was a company aid man when the 1st Battalion assaulted a jagged escarpment 400 feet high. So if you guys, who saw the movie, Hacksaw Ridge? So this is talking about that 400-feet-high that ridge. As our troops gained the summit on that ridge, a heavy concentration of artillery, mortar, and machine gun fire crashed into them, inflicting approximately about 75 casualties. And it drove all the others back. Private First Class, this is a true story, Private First Class DOS refused to seek cover. He remained in the fire-swept area overnight, and carried the wounded to the edge, and then he lowered them down one by one. This is a volunteer who conscientiously objected against violence, but said, I'm going to stand right in the middle of it to do what God's called me to do, to live out his convictions. On May 5th, he unhesitantly braved enemy shelling and small arms fire to assist an artillery officer. He applied bandages, moved his patient to the spot and offered protection and small arms fire while artillery and mortar shells fell close by. On May 21st, and I'm getting to the end of it, in the night attack on the high ground, he remained in exposed territory throughout the night while the rest of his company took cover, fearlessly risking the chance that he would be mistaken for infiltrating Japanese and giving aid to the injured He was himself seriously wounded, and this is where a grenade exploded and left the shrapnel in his leg. Harry S. Truman finishes with this statement. Through through his outstanding bravery and unflinching determination in the face of desperately dangerous conditions, private first-class DOS saved the lives of many soldiers. His name, so this might be something we live for, right? His name, the legacy of his name became a symbol throughout the 77th Infantry Division for outstanding courage going far above and beyond the call of duty. What we're talking about today is, is what I saw in that story. And thank you for those of you who kept bringing that story up to me. I mean, you, the last couple of weeks people said, have you seen Axel Ridge? Have you seen Axel Ridge? It's incredible. The sad thing was is I, I forgot or I didn't know that that was a true story. Like it's like almost unbelievable that that's a true story. What I saw in his story is what we're talking about today. Um, It's no compromise. Like, would you say? Would you agree that in his story, he, at least what we know about him, he did not even budge on his convictions. I can't even imagine. Like, I don't know if you're like me when I first saw the movie, and he wouldn't pick up a gun. I was just like, dude, just grab, <laughs> just grab the gun and sh- just shoot the gun. You're not, you know. There's many ways you, he could have gone gotten around those rules, right? It's the army. You could you could target practice all day long. Um, and often wonder, I even made a joke here before, is there any way we can go and like sh- tackle some of these sex traffickers across seas or even in our own country? Is there a way we can do that and still be following God's plan for our lives? That's a, that's a future sermon i won't get into that james 1 12 through 15 we're talking about resisting temptation no compromise it says blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which god has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted i am being tempted by god For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself does not tempt us. Like, I actually love to hear that. It's comforting to know that it's not God who's tempting us. But each person is tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived birth to sin. So desire, yet desire in itself is not a sin. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth what? Brings forth death. So this is a, this is a, a deep, intense topic today. And uh, I'm going to talk about both sides of that coin. I'm going to talk about what happens when we give in to this. Right? So temptation in itself is not sin. But we, when we take it that step further and we go right in the middle of it, we can hang out in that, that sin for a season. I mean, scripture says, hey, you, you can enjoy yourself for a season if you want. Even we've heard about what pastors across the nation like falling and failing. We've heard about leaders in our country like falling and failing. We even see people in our community write one another, even ourselves sometimes, when, when, they, when, when people get away with things and we're like, how do they get away with that? Scripture says we get away with things for a season. But in the end, we will reap what we sow. Like one of my favorite pastors sa- always says, choose to sin, choose to suffer. <laughs> he says, you can choose to sin if you want, but guaranteed, ultimately, we're, we're going we're gonna to get the suffering too. So that's what we're talking about today. So let me tell him myself a little bit. And I thought about, okay, which one of mine can I share that, that like, won't get me in major trouble? What, what if I tell one of the lighthearted ones, right? And so I'll tell you one of the more fun ones. Um, and after me, I, I need five volunteers to come up and tell their deepest, darkest sense. So, so if I'm going to go first, I need a couple of followers behind me, right? So, when I was 16 years old, um, our family had this deal where, where we had to save up for six months of insurance for our vehicles, and our, our parents would get us a car, you know, a budget between $2,000 to $2,500. That was the family deal. And, and uh, my stepfather was in the automotive industry, so it was like a really easy for thing for him to do. And so, saved up for six months. I worked at McDonald's, actually mowed yards. I did everything I could. I watched kids, babysat kids to get, to get the money to get my first car. So, my first car was a Supersport Monte Carlo 88, like blackout. This, my dad happened to be, my stepdad happened to be a car guy. And so <laughs> he wanted his son to have this, like, sweet muscle car. And I, I'll tell you, I only got beat once off the line, and I later found out, like, I could beat Mustangs all day long, like, all, n- well, all night long, specifically. And, uh, but I couldn't beat this one guy in town. He had this, like, nineties like, Jimmy, like, the, you know, the little SUV. Well, it turns out he was a mechanic. <laughs> and and that, this thing was the quietest, fastest truck you've ever seen. And so one night after getting beating, but beat by him, and I, I had to do some research to find out who this dude was. Um, I'm telling him myself, by the way, right? I'm not saying do this, kids. I'm just saying this is one of the days that, that I didn't have it right. I'm on the freeway, and all my friends are in the car. And the speedometer in the car only goes to 70. How many, how many guys ever had a car that only, you know, the speedometer said 70? So you peg out at 70, and who knows? Only police officers know how fast you're going after 70. Well, that's actually what happened that night. So I'm on the freeway, on the toll road. There's six lanes in Houston. And, and technically, it's like the Autobahn, right? When you're 16, you're like, this is the sweetest, st- you know, you've been to Texas. Like, you can go for like six hours and not have to make a left or right turn. And I opened that boy up. And I'm flying down these six lanes. Like, thank goodness the car is built to where it's just like hugging the road. And I was like, man, we must be going 100. And all the guys in the car are like, you know, what guys do, our adrenaline's pumping. Next thing I know, I see red and blue lights in my rearview mirror. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the night that I die, right? <laughs> choose to sin, choose to suffer. And so he pulled us over. We're, we're meeting all of our friends in the academy sports parking lot because that's what we did. We didn't have anything better to do. So all of my friends are there, and I just happen to be pulling in as this officer's right behind me. And this guy pulls me out of the car. I've actually got a full leg cast from breaking my, f- my foot and my leg in soccer. So I was not even driving with my right foot. I was driving with my left foot. <laughs> so he's looking at me, and he's just like, what in the world is this dude doing? And he, he begins to just chew me out for 45 minutes, like literally at the top of his lungs. I think his adrenaline was more than mine. And he was trying to tell me, do you want to wind up being a sp- something on the concrete that I have to scrape off, you know. And after about 15 minutes into this, I thought, this guy's not <laughs> giving me a ticket for some reason, and he didn't. I, I got lucky that night. I walked away. He didn't have to scrape me off the concrete. But I got away with a pretty crazy sin, right? I got away with the temptation, and I'm thankful that, that I ha- I'm able to stand here in front of you and talk about it. Uh, my, friends, my friends made fun of me, you know, for the rest of the year, though. They're like, you remember that one time that that police officer pulled you over for being a total bonehead? Temptations everywhere, guys. And it's, it's different for each of us. Like, that's what's pretty wild. It's actually, temptations are different for each of us. Um, temptation in itself is, n- is not a sin. So it's, it's just not, even Christ was tempted when he was here. It's what we do when we're in that moment, what we choose after it comes through our mind, right? After it hits our heart, that's when we start wading in the deep waters. And that's where we are deciding, not anyone else, not even God. That's where we decide what what consequences we're willing to face once we continue to wade through that water. So we talked about this last time. There are four idols. There are four main idols. And I'd like to connect these dots before I move on in the scripture. I believe there are four main idols in our life that, that captures our heart. Right? We have, we were made to worship God, to love God, and to love others. It's really that simple. Like the way he made us was to live on this earth with him and with each other. That's, it's really that simple. And we broke that. Like, we broke that. <laughs> People ask, why do we have to deal with so much craziness and pain on this earth? Like, take the finger and point it right here. Like, we broke it. Like, we, bro- we invited all that into this earth. And so that, that spot that he made in us to love him and to love others, we put other things in that. You know, call it your heart. Call it your will. It's your mind and your emotions and your soul kind of tied up in the one, it's this thing that we put in there. So before we talk about temptations, let's talk about this, the root. The root, I believe, and let's see which one of these four are you. Our desire for power to influence or to be recognized, right? We allow that sometimes to overshadow our love for God and love for others. Our control, our desire to control, to have everything go according to who? To my plan. This is a recap for some of you, but it's brand new for others. Some of you. Like th- where's that from? Like East Coast? Some of you you's guys? Sorry. Control to have everything go to according to my plan. Comfort. Um, this is a big one. A longing for pleasure. Right? Some, some of us can put comfort in the middle And say, I'm only going to sacrifice so much. Like, my whole life's goal is to have pleasure. To wind up on a beach with an umbrella drink in my hand. Like, is that the end game in life? Like, not that that's bad, right? But when it's it's our end goal, it's overshadowing what God's trying to do. And then approval. A desire to be accepted or to be desired. So one of those fours. One of those four, I'm doing that like a lot. One of those fours, is used, guys. Um, one of those four describe us at times. Power, control, comfort, or approval. Anytime we let one of those idols in our life, rather than God, I can almost guarantee you this, it is going to lead you to a point where when we are in a tempted zone, when we are in a tempted spot, a spot where we're facing temptation, it's going to be very difficult for us to choose what, what's right, what's good. So let me keep going. Your first uh, blank in your sermon notes is, you will face trials and temptation. Like, Scripture's, like, super clear about that. Like, every single one of us are going to face trials. Like, we are going to face temptation. Like, life is, is going to be hard. I was talking with a friend over breakfast one day, and he said, you know, after I decided to become a Christian... Like that's actually when life started really getting hard, and that's no coincidence. If you read the Book of Revelation, the end of the Bible, which is the one book I read a ton when I was a kid because I loved it, it it actually talks about life gets worse from here, especially for Christians, especially for those of us who don't compromise. So sorry, I'm not I'm not giving you like all the happy, happy, joy, joy, sunshine part. That comes later. If we're on the path, if we're on this intentional path, what we talked about last week, experience, connect, influence, multiply, what Christ has called us to. When we're on that path, I guarantee you we will be a target. You will face trial and temptation. John 10.10 says it the most clear. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Jesus. He says, but I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full, right? James 1, uh, is it 16 through 18, and then 21, it says, do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature therefore put away all filthiness all rampant wickedness and receive your meekness the implanted word which is able to save our soul so the point there is we've been given truth like we've been given the path we've been given Christ It says, and believe me, he didn't come down here to be like a total joy kill and like end all of our fun, right? Like that wasn't his goal. His goal is actually the opposite, and Scripture says it. He says, I come so that you can have a full life. Like where we get it wrong, whereas human beings, like husbands and wives, like even our kids, where we get it wrong is when we say, no, this thing looks more fun, what, what, right now. Like, usually when we step off the path is when we're tempted by something. And we'll start talking about some of those somethings. um, And I'm not trying to dance around them. There's just so many. When we step off the path to chase something that looks better than what God originally created us for, right? We'll talk about those after this. The next item in your sermon notes is don't compromise right, what, Do, what um, Desmond Doss, the, score, the story of his life underscores for us, don't compromise your main supply line, like, don't compromise your convictions, and what is our supply line, and this seems so basic, right, for the Christians in the room, like, we get this, we hear this all the time, for those of you who haven't decided to follow Christ and are still trying to figure this out, here it is, I'm using military terms just to make it a little interesting, our communications. So what's the most important in, in military, right, or in what you guys do in the Coast Guard? It's, it's our communication with one another. We need to know what we're doing. We need to know who's doing what, and we need to know when. And then once, you, once your communications are severed, you still stick with the plan, right? And I'm, I'm not in the military, so I might need one of you guys to come up and tell me about this. But in the spiritual world, our communication is seeking God's will through prayer. It's really simple. Like prayer is the most powerful thing we could do. I mean, think about it this way. When God created us and put us on this earth and said, I want to what? Have fellowship with you. Like he, he wants to just like c- conversate with us. He, he already knows what's going on in our heart, right? So that's, that's the funny part. He already knows. Like he wants us just to stop and go, Hey, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, I want you in my life on this. Intel, that's scripture and God's word. Like, that's the truth. That's the part I'm trying to challenge us on and say, let's not compromise this, what we know to be true. And then support, um, which is where we'll drive the rest of this message today support from Christ's followers, church, family, and community. So a lot of times when we get in trouble, right, like a lot of times when we, how many people have made a pretty big mistake this year? Like I goofed up either with my kids, or I made a mistake that I'm like super not proud of. I would hate to like share with my church congregation or my friends. But usually after we make a big mistake or we do something stupid, like who's the first person we call? Like a lot of times it's someone who's just as Stupid as we are. And we're like, hey bro, I messed up. Like I'm doing this, you know. And usually they're like, okay, that's that's fine. Everybody messes up. Which is true. But there's actually someone who can help us during those times. Let me read a couple of quotes. And then I'll actually, we'll talk about a couple examples this morning. I almost opened this up to Q&A like just say ask anything, like ask anything, and I'll answer it the best of my ability. Um, that, that'll actually be a series I think we'll do in the future called Ask Anything, like what's real. So, so we'll not do that today unless you want to afterward. One of my favorite quotes about temptation is, I can resist anything except temptation, <laughs> right? Like we all fall in that bucket sometimes. That's by Oscar Wilde. I can resist anything except temptation. And this, the second one's a little more serious. It says, temptation is not a sin. It's not, t- being tempted is not a sin. It's, it's a call to battle. It's like there's a reason why each of us are tempted by the things that tempt us. Right? I can almost promise you that, that those of us who have one or two things, I believe, based on these idols that we also allow in our heart, we have one or two things that are constantly eating away at our minds and our hearts and constantly, no matter how hard we try, it's always in front of us, and we're always having to say, no, not today. That's not for me, and I don't know for you what that temptation is. Like, I I looked up. I tried to find, like, the top 10 list of temptations, so let me just go through it. Um, Actually, funny enough, the number one I saw was laziness, like, we just, we let ourselves off the hook. We want to be comfortable. That's like, I say that's the idol of comfort. Like, we see it in our jobs. We see it in, you know, even in our kids. Like, I'm the quickest to call out laziness, and our, my kids are like, they hate that when I use that word. It's just letting ourselves off the hook on doing what? On doing what's right, what's good, and honestly, a lot of times, What's hard? Uh, some of the other temptations, honestly, play on our hum- on things that are good in our lives, things that God created for good, right? Food, you know, sex within marriage, um, temptation to uh, gossip, to talk about, to tear each other down. Like I don't know about you, I don't I don't want to make up all or say all the temptations that there are, but some of these things. They're, they're dangerous because it, we're actually made for them, right? We're made, food's made to be what? Enjoyed. And within context, it's really cool. Like add food to any celebration or any gathering, and that gathering is just times 10. Like it's awesome, especially when the food's good. Like same thing, PG-13. You know, within marriage, sex is supposed to be incredible. It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's supposed to be like, One of the coolest things we get to do, and yes, it's for reproduction. But if it was just for reproduction, would have God not made it enjoyable? And it's we don't like to talk about it because the media and internet, and I don't want to bag on everything that, that comes against us, but it just it's it knows they know that's how we're built, and so it just plays on us. I had a friend of mine um, and whether, whether your temptation falls into one of these categories or not, like we all have our own thing, but I had a friend of mine that actually shared this one scripture that said, this scripture got me out of the pit of surrendering myself to, to temptation. And it was take every thought captive. It's in Corinthians. And give it to Christ. And believe me, like I've actually used that scripture. I've actually used Isaiah 26.3 you keep those in, in perfect peace those whose mind stays on you to help overcome a few battles in my own life and I'd be happy to share those with you one on one like I, believe me I've battled I'm a guy just like how, how many guys do we want to date our daughters like none <laughs> why because we know what guys are like I was once a you know young man and I told Blake I said this is, this is just free right this is just two cents for free right um, I told Blake, I said, Blake, just just hold in there until you're like 35, 40. <laughs> like, you'll, you'll eventually calm down. <laughs> like, you just will. And I, I draw this graph for my kids because graphs are awesome. And I, and I say, hey, this is, this is what hormones do to you. Just hang in there. Like, it gets easier. So let, let me say this. Whatever temptation you're battling, like the, the enemy, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll get to Scripture here, but the enemy wants you to feel like you're the only one. The enemy wants you to feel like you're isolated, like you're alone, and there's no one else like, facing that. And I don't say, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're, and even if you're not, like there's a way to know how much God loves you. There's a way to know like God's grace actually covers all of that. Like when Christ died on the cross for us, it was for past, present, and what? Future. Sins. So you're not alone. You're not the only one. And as a pastor, let me just say, as a, as a leader in this church, there's nothing you could say that would scare me. Like nothing. Nothing. Because either I've already done it, (laughs) or I've already walked with somebody who did, and it's just, it's not the end of the world. But in our minds, in our minds, we often say, this is too much. And I'll, I'll come back to that. So don't compromise your main supply line. Don't cut off communication with the one who loves you most, with God. No matter what, no matter what we've done, don't cut that communication off. Like, that's actually the place. He's like, I love you. I already know all about you. Like, I already know what's in your mind and heart. Like, I just, I just want you to tell me about it. Scripture tells us when we confess to Him, we find healing, we find forgiveness. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That way we may receive mercy and find grace to help in when in our time of need every single one of us like there's 365 days in a year right i believe every single one of us has a time of need 365 days out of those 365 days like we are made to rely on on god and then i'll get to the second part in a moment he wants us to draw close to him Matthew 6, 13 says, Lead us not t- t- to temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love that prayer. The reason why I love that prayer, I actually start with the Lord's Prayer in my office before I speak on Sundays, and I get on my knees, and I say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, you know, and let us forgive those who trespass against us. In this next part, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that's because I know how weak I am. Like, I know, I know the thoughts that go through my mind and my heart, and I'm constantly, like, handing them over to God. Like, I, I just want to give you guys something. If to pretend, like, let's imagine for a second there's two baskets up here. This is my... You can use this for forgiveness, unforgiveness. You could use this for temptation, but let's call it today it's for temptation. This is my temptation basket. And, stu- and stuff's getting put in that temptation basket like all day long. Sometimes like before you're even awake, you have stuff going on through your mind, especially if you have really good dreams, right? You have great dreams. Sometimes they're great temptations. They're in that basket. And why is that? Like why are we always tempted by stuff? because we live in a fallen world like it's just a part of it like it's literally a part of what i call the greatest trial preparing us for what's next we're in a trial so your basket's filling up right with one temptation another temptation another temptation what i love to do is take things from that basket and constantly put them in this basket god like i'm giving that to you take every thought captive right like, every single time something enters my temptation basket, like, I literally, like, God, I'm giving that to you. I'm get, it's not, I can't handle it. Like, you, you take that. It sounds cheesy, but it, it's like, it's my, it was my way to dig out of a pit. Stuff that I struggled with, that I said, I'm done with that. Like, I'm tired of that person. You know, the Larry who chose whatever he wanted to, because that's what he wanted. Like, I'm done with that. So I put it in the, God, it's your basket please forgive me. I mentioned one of the favorite things I love about Johnny Walker is how he opens his prayer. God, please forgive me. And I don't know why he says that, but if he's anything like me, it's like there's constantly things in our head and heart that don't align with what God's wanting to do in my life that distracts me from like his plan. So I try to keep my temptation basket empty. Because if you believe what James says, but each person has their own desire which gives birth to sin which leads to death so we have temptations get it out of your court get it out of that basket as often as possible sometimes it's like it's a whole day worth of transferring and believe me those temptations will will come from this basket that you gave to god to go right back to your own and you have to give it back over but the whole point in that exercise is to keep it from giving birth to sin And then giving birth to what? Finishing out in death. How many of us have seen people hand their entire lives over to something that they couldn't stop choosing? Like I can name 10 family members, which I won't, that have handed their, literally their lives over. Because they kept going back to that temptation, that sin, And literally a few of them, it wound up in the last part, in death. In this scripture, it's talking about spiritual death. But I think part of the reason why we're here on this earth is so that we can see evidence of what actually physical death looks like also. So here's one quote, I'll read it for you, and then I'll I'll get back to the good side of this, what happens when we're able to resist. This quote says, Over the years I have come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, it's not popularity or power, but this last thing, self-rejection. Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often pales in comparison as the much larger temptation of self-rejection. When we come to believe that the voices in our head that call us to worthlessness and that we're unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive options. The real trap is self-rejection. As soon as someone accuses me or criticizes me or as soon as I'm rejected or left alone or abandoned, I find myself thinking, well, that proves it once again. I'm a nobody. That's my dark side. That's our dark side that says that. I'm no good. I deserve to be pushed aside, forgotten, rejected, abandoned. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of a spiritual life because it contradicts, it absolutely contradicts the sacred voice that calls us and says you are loved and you are somebody. Like that's all God's trying to say is like I created you. It's a lie that, that speaks against the core of our existence, the truth about our existence. So this next part in your bullet point says isolation is the enemy's offensive weapon. Isolation. So the enemy wins when we let ourselves be isolated. Right? If you think about it, in our own relationships, in our own family, even within the church or in the community, how, how, does, the, how does the enemy win? He separates us relationally. He lets us have some little thing that we're fighting about or arguing about that turns into a bigger thing, that turns into what? Complete separation and isolation. And then we wind up on our own. Usually, and I don't know about you, usually I feel the most isolated. And there are days, like even for pastors, I think it's a Monday morning for whatever reason. I think we go through this adrenaline high on Sunday, and then we, of course, we go pass out because... For some reason, it drains, drains you when you speak. Um, but on Monday, supposedly, you know, you see it in statistics and reports that Monday is the, is the lowest point in a pastor's um, life. And what's cool about knowing that is you can actually counteract that. You know, I love to grab lunch with people on Mondays, and it, and it, it didn't really pertain to me yet because I've only been doing this, what, for six months, right? Up here, 16 before here. But for you, the point, the reason why I'm saying this is each of us know when we feel the most isolated or these next things, the most exhausted, the most fearful, the most hopeless or worthless. Like every one of us knows when we feel those. And so when you're there, let me just say you're not alone. There are many, many other people in our community and even in our church, that feel that same way. I believe that is the plan of the enemy. So what drives you to isolation? Romans seven twenty one 21-25 says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, But I see the members of another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, dwells in my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And he's talking about like how how divided we often are as human beings. Like, we know what's right. Like, we love what's right. Like, we want to do what's right. But our flesh often, like, does this other thing. Especially when we're isolated. Like, I'll, I'll, t- I'll share this with you. When I'm, s- when I'm sitting across the table with a couple of good guys that are, that are going in, in the right direction in life, I share this one thing with them. I am the most tempted... And I will probably reach out to you when I'm exhausted. Like, even Myra knows now, when I'm exhausted, like, <laughs> she knows I can be a bear. Because there's something about exhaustion and then emotions. And then for men, a lot of times, what? We get frustrated or angry. So there's something, there's something for each of us that we battle that leads us into isolation. This next thing in your sermon is we are connected. And here's the truth, set free in Christ. He is both, remember we talked in tactical this morning, he is both our offensive and defensive. He's our offensive weapon and our defensive support. That basically means, what does scripture tell us over and over and over? And there's too, there's too many to read this morning to you, but I'll paraphrase. Like, I'll fight your battle for you. Like, you know, teenagers that are being talked about in school. Like, I, I, like guys, at least guys will just go and punch each other in the face, right? You know, if you don't like another guy, like, you just go hit each other, or, or you'll, you'll try to run each other over with your car, or you'll race your car, whatever. Like, you'll fight it out. I mean, I've got best friends that I actually fought with back in school, and, and it's kind of weird how that works. Girls, on the other hand, they, like, destroy one another. Like, they're just all out mean, like, I'm going to ice. Have them be isolated and destroy them. And now that we have social media. But I I do believe, and I've seen it time and time again, Christ is, the Lord is fighting our battles for us. Like he wants the best for us. Like he doesn't want us to give in to that temptation to get vengeance on our own or equal the score, whatever it is. He says, no, nah, I've got that. Don't sin, what, in your anger. Like, don't sin out of your emotion. The heart above all things is what? Is evil. How crazy is that? Like, the scripture is telling us that our heart, our emotion, a lot of times is above all things, like, evil. He said, guys, wa- watch out for these things in your heart. Like, don't, don't let your heart even, your own hearts tempt you to sin. He's giving us truth. He's giving us facts. And Christ is our escape. I don't know. You guys can use a different analogy. You don't have to use the basket. You can use something else. Like, but the basket for me is my reminder that Christ is my escape. Like anytime that temptation comes in, whether it's unforgiveness for someone or something, whether it's like as being a guy, lust, you know, lustful thoughts, or it's, Pride, you know, wanting people to like me all the time, like whatever those things are or control, having it to go my way. Like those are thoughts that pass through my head like constantly, right? And I'm constantly giving them the Christ. Here's the good news. And we'll get through it. Romans eight, one through eleven says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus and from the law of sin and death for god has for god has done what that law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh christ experienced temptation and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us So walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And I want to say to you guys, like, and I'll I'll wrap up, it's 12.15. Like if, if you're caught, in any one temptation, or any one sin, and you feel like you're the only one, like believe me, like I've had to battle specifically three throughout my life. A couple that I got from my dad, who raised me in it, in pure sin, he raised me to live that way, my father. And it took a lifetime to battle those things, and say, you know what, that's not me. That's not who I want to be, it's destructive, Um, And the only way I got out of it was knowing truly that Christ died for that. And and here's the tough part, and I'll never ask you to come up here and, and do it from the stage, but I will ask you to do this when you're sitting across the table, and I ask that you pray about it and think about doing it this week. When you're sitting across the table from a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, and I recommend man to man, woman to woman on this one, And just confess some of the things in your heart and say, man, I struggle with this. I need you to pray for me. Like, I struggle with this and I need you to pray for me. I promise you, like, I promise you if you will do this, it it will, what, what we just said, it will set you free. There's something about it the only way to face temptation is to be surrounded by someone you trust. And I say, it's, it's God. For me, it's God, another brother. Like, I, tr- I trust every word in the Bible that's from, from God. Like, I trust it. If it says it, I'm going to do it. Because I've, I've learned, like, that's the only thing I can depend on. And the second to that is, is a good brother. And I, like, believe me, I've got the structure right. It's God, my spouse, my kids, then friends, then work. Like, that's our priority, right? You guys have that? It's like I'm following God with everything in me. My wife is the most important person on this planet. I love her to death. My kids are, are under God in my wife, And they feel that, and they know that. I ask my kids, like I tell them all the time, my goal isn't for you to be happy. My goal is for you guys to be productive citizens on this planet who love Jesus, (laughs) like. And they're just like, that is the worst thing a father can say to a kid. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe. But really, God, spouse, kids, friends, then work. If we can get that priority right, it's a lot easier for us to make the choices we need to make. Let me wrap up with this. Find someone you can trust. Write one, one person's name down this morning. Write it on your connection card. Write it on your bulletin. Like just, and take the next 30 seconds and please pull out a pen, write down one person's name on your bulletin or on a piece of paper that is not your spouse. And I'll give you some time to do that. The reason why that's important is I, I literally mean what I say. I want you to sit across the table from them and share your heart. Share the thing that might be a distraction for you because it might be the thing that's keeping you from living this life that God has called you to. It might be the thing that's keeping you on this intentional path that he's made for us. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'll finish with, going the last full measure to resist or defeat temptation means I must have solid people in my life to encourage me and hold me accountable. Like, I tell you guys all the time, I'm just a typical ordinary person. Like, we see leaders of organizations, especially in this day, falling constantly, right? And even, like, talk to our police officers or talk to people who are, are, like, enforcing the law, and they'll tell you, I don't really trust anybody. (laughs) You know, not even my own grandma, right? Because we all know that our our hearts are dark. And it's like we need each other, especially when we're in a season of, like, of, you know, just call it when I'm in a ditch. Like, we need somebody to pull us out. Let me wrap this up and then you can just think about your own heart for a second and I'll pray. All right? Join me in prayer. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that your word tackles um, even the toughest, toughest of topics. Father, I thank you that um, you you care for us and you don't want us to surrender. You don't want us to compromise the life that you created us for, this full life. And Father, I just, I pray, even for myself, when we are in a season, when we're in a ditch, Father, when we, when we are battling t- with temptation, Father, I ask that you just make, give us a clear way out. I ask that in that moment, even though it goes against everything our heart's telling us, I ask that you remind us that we can turn to you. Father, I thank you for the truth that your son died for us. And we often do not understand what that truly means. But Father, I thank you for the grace that comes with his death and his resurrection. Father, I thank you that he understands the temptations that we face. And because of him, we can have eternal life with you. Um, If you're you're in the room today and, and you would say, I am in a pit and I have given myself over time and time again to temptation and sin, and I'm done, I want out. Um, I ask that you just ask God to help you and be willing to share it with one other person. Father, you know who's sitting in front of you today. You know, uh, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know our thoughts, you always have, and you love us anyway. Uh, Father, I, I ask that you just forgive us, and, and I thank you for letting us live free because of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.